0: Listening to No Filter, a 2FM collective podcast. Hello and welcome to No Filter, the podcast which features conversations with extraordinary women with extraordinary stories. This episode features Louise O'Neill, whose young adult books, Only Ever Yours and Asking For It, made a huge splash on the international publishing scene when they were published in 2014 and 2015 and threw her into the position of being a voice of Ireland's growing feminist community. During our chat, we discussed dating, when you're one of the faces of Irish feminism, what it's been like to suddenly become recognisable, and how we're feeling in the aftermath of the hashtag MeToo revelations. With two books coming out next year, a film script on the go, a newspaper column, and countless fans turning to her for advice on a regular basis, I began by asking her how she's coping with it all. So, first of all, you have got several exciting things going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, are you okay? <laughs> um,
1: I'm it's funny, I'm very tired. Um, I'm I'm better now. During the summer, um I was just uh, I think cuz I was editing my third book and I was writing my fourth book um simultaneously and then I was also doing um some rewrites on the screenplay for the movie adaptation of my first book. Um, and I went through a period of about two months where I just, which I I always feel guilty saying this to someone who has a child, but I was like, but I wasn't sleeping. I know.
0: No, uh, I hate, I hate that, that thing of like, oh, you can't complain because someone else (laughs) like, no, your, your lack of sleep is still lack of sleep. uh, Thank you. Thank you. You're like, I haven't slept in two years. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, so I
1: had sort of a period of, I just would wake up at about two o'clock. It seemed to be about two o'clock every night. And then I just... I couldn't, like my body just felt just so like wired and just really like tight. And I think I was just, I just felt so anxious about all of it. Um, and then once I submitted the third book, um, and it's funny because now I'm like, I've only got one book to work on, which usually <laughs> would be quite a lot of work, um, but uh, it feels like a holiday at the moment. Uh, so, so yeah, so next year is going to be busy, but in, in a different way, you know, yeah. um, because I'll have, the two books are coming out, one in March, one in May. And then the hopefully the movie will start um, filming in sort of fa- February March, and then the um, play of Asking for It is coming out in July.
0: Jeez. <laughs> First of all, your book that's coming out in March. Yes. So. I gather it's about kind of obsessive love. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Um, It's called Almost Love. Um, It's funny, again, I'm trying to, I haven't really spoken about this yet. um, So trying to kind of gather my thoughts about it. But uh, yeah, it's about a young woman um, in her 20s. um, And she falls in love with um, a much older man. He's very wealthy, he's very powerful. um, And I suppose it's a very toxic relationship. um, And it's about that kind of power imbalance. um, And... When they break up, um no spoilers there um but um she it really affects i think just the way she sees herself um and her self esteem and her relationships um with her father and with her friends and her subsequent relationships and I think it's really about how women are so conditioned to believe that we have to be in relationships that if we're not in a relationship, then our I suppose, our worth as a woman um, is very much diminished. And often we are encouraged to make sacrifices, um, you know, as people. um, And sacrifice things that are maybe very true to ourselves um, Mm. in order to maintain those relationships. Mm. Um, And, yeah, so I think it's been... It was an interesting book to write. It was my first book that's, you know, ostensibly for adults. Um, And it's been really interesting even so far, you know, the initial reaction to it is I'm getting very intense emails from people being like, oh, this was my Matthew, um, which is the um, the male character's name, and then telling me kind of their story of this relationship that they were in that was just so dysfunctional um, and so damaging, ultimately. Um, and it feels like every woman seems to have one. Who is your Matthew, Louise?
0: Oh, I don't have one. Oh, um, really? No. Well, oh, well. like No, I mean, I had damaging, like they were not even relationships Mm -hmm. but like I certainly allowed myself to be treated badly yes everyone's done that yeah but my thing was and it's interesting that you said it there because I've been thinking about this a lot recently um with women like how many of our choices are actually conscious or Mm -hmm. how many of our choices are things that we're doing because we think that this is the logical next step yes 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 Yeah. yeah I
1: think I think you can say that about everything, and I think that it's sometimes that can feel very um, paralyzing because you start um, analyzing every decision that you're making. I mean, like, okay, is this a, a decision that I am making, like as an autonomous, you know, human being, or is this as a result of social conditioning because I am, you know, quote unquote, a woman? Um, and even with things that you know, both of us, I'd say, would really enjoy, fashion and makeup. Um, and I think sometimes. You know, it's like, well, I really love makeup, but also how much of that is that I feel the need to look attractive mm. or I would um, like I feel the need to sort of present a certain image to the world. Um, and if, you know, I think it, it's about being comfortable whether you're wearing, whether you're wearing makeup or not. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people tend to kind of reach for that as Well, some people might um, reach for it as a, I don't know, like a mask or, um, yeah, a crutch. Um, And I think it can be. It's just—it's interesting. It's interesting to look at all of these tenets of femininity and say, you know, am I actually interested in these? And I feel like I am. Mm. But I think it's also about acknowledging that yes, I love fashion and yes, I love makeup, but also I do feel the need to conform to a certain ideal of um, femininity and beauty in order just to be acceptable. I'm probably—I've been in therapy since I was seventeen, so I am just nearly pathologically self-aware, you know. (laughs) And I think I I need to question everything and really sort of uh, explore my motives for everything, um, which can be... (sighs) very tiring mm. um and I think it's funny because I obviously have made a decision you know that I don't want to um have children um and uh it's just m- whenever I sort of give my reasons around it to my mother she does and she's so funny because she doesn't like she doesn't care she's like whatever makes you happy but she always just rolls her eyes and she's like oh my god you just think so much be <laughs> <That's laughs> so tiring in your head
0: yeah Yeah but I think that's good Mm. You know I think that's good I think it's good that uh, you know women have room to think now For the most part And consider what they really want As opposed to what is just the natural next step Or the done thing
1: No I agree and I think it's interesting when you see Women uh, taking that space In order to really look at their lives And I suppose, understand their own desires or what they need or what they want and then how often that can be dismissed as navel-gazing or, you know, this sort of millennial self-obsession I'm like no, I don't think there's anything wrong with really wanting to understand yourself. Um, mm. Again, the therapy
0: speaking, but I know you'll <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> Listen, I studied psychotherapy, so I'm right there. <laughs> oh, this would be great. <laughs> We're gonna get on so well. Um, okay, well, so that's almost love, and that's mm-hmm. out in March. Very exciting. Yes, and then the next book, yes, uh, is the Little Mermaid adaptation. Yes, yes,
1: yes. yes. It's a feminist retelling um, of the Little Mermaid, which. It was, you know, Scholastic approached me and asked me, um, would I, they, you know, they wanted to commission me to do this, and. I just couldn't refuse. I just loved that s- story so much when I was yeah. a child. Like I was just obsessed with it. Um, and you know, we, we lived by the sea, and you know, I had red hair, so I was pretty much convinced I was Ariel. Um, and um, uh, yeah, so it's been. But obviously, you know, when you look at the original fairy tale, it's just it's so dark, and there's mm. so much in there that's really ripe um for a feminist conversation. You know, around, you know, she gives up her voice um in order to you know be with someone that she loves, and I think which is really fascinating to see the parallels between almost love uh, which is about women being silenced in relationships and then writing about a woman who's literally (laughs) lost her voice you know given up her voice in order to um, uh, I suppose fulfill her romantic um, aspirations Um, and then you know even the mutilation it's it's there's so many parallels with like plastic surgery and this kind of obsession with um, altering and modifying your body in order to adhere to again um these often unattainable ideals of beauty, um, and you know that she—it's—it's re- it's self-mutilation, really. Um, and you know, in the in the fairy tale, when she goes on land and she's given legs, every step feels like you know, like a sword is being um, shoved up her foot, basically, and it's just like she's just in excruciating pain. Um, and he, the, the prince, is just. And uh, I know, just the worst. He's just the worst. So that's
0: fun. So, what you're saying is there won't be a singing cry?
1: <laughs> no. It's quite dark. It is. It is quite dark. But that really suits me. That really suits my yeah. um, sensibility, which is so strange because I think as a person, uh, it's been really interesting sometimes I'll get messages on Twitter uh, from people who probably just read my column and they're like oh you're just permanently you know outraged and you're just you know such an angry person and I find that really funny because I actually think in my everyday life I'm fairly like I'm pretty easygoing. but when I sit down uh, it just it just seems to come out I think it just seems to come out in this very dark fashion mm. um, probably because there is just I think when you're talking about these kind of subjects, um, you know, anything to do with, you know, gender and feminism and sexuality. Um, and I suppose uh, the way men and women relate to each other, which is just, I suppose, themes that I kind of tend to come back to time and time again. And, you know, the beauty myth and pressure on women and, uh, you know, uh, sexuality. And it's just a lot of it is quite dark. I mean, you know, even how could you look at the world over the last, you know, six uh, to eight weeks? And not think that, you know, the women really have been living in a dystopia. Yeah. Um, and it's been really frustrating sometimes over the last few years. Because, you know, when you're when you're speaking to someone who understands, you know, if you're speaking to another woman who is sort of has the same, you know, ideas or pol- political ideologies are just, I suppose, the blinkers are off. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yes, I know what you're talking about. And then if you're talking to other people who really do not want to have that conversation they don't want to hear that you know there's inequality in the world that there's sexism or misogyny or racism or you know any of you know homophobia or transphobia and it's it can feel like you're just shouting into the wind Mm -hmm. um and and people just denying your experience Mm -hmm. you know um and that can just be really really frustrating because I think that yeah. comes out in my work then
0: yeah well I know we're, we're going to talk more about kind of all of the stuff that's been going on recently but before we do that I just do want to talk about um the film
1: yes I mean it's really look you know it's really exciting um it's at the moment they're casting I can't really say um much because it's it's been a really interesting experience um because obviously you know <laughs> I've never done this before um and I I just love the movie producer because there was quite a few people who wanted to buy um, the rights uh, to Only Ever Yours, um, and they were amazing, like really, you know, wonderful production companies who were doing really interesting um, uh, work. And I don't know, I just, I, I just really wanted it to be someone that I just really kind of clicked with. And then I remember Adrian Rang, um, and I just loved her, and she's also one of the most dynamic women I've ever met in my entire life. Like every time she rings, right, and I um we we have kind of have these skype calls every so often and I hang up the phone and I just feel so lazy. I'm just like, what am I what am I doing? Like she just is writing a book, editing no, a book. You have and no idea. A this woman is I mean she's just incredible and like you know at, at the moment now uh, with the the Weinstein company you know they're trying to organise a buyout um, of the uh, Weinstein properties and then they'll start giving the profits to um, victims of assault and sort of setting up um, I suppose like like just help so that when people are you know want to speak out that they're not going to be uh you know i suppose uh you know, like fina- in financial difficulties as a result and she's just she's just incredible and i think what i really loved about her was just you know not only obviously is she just this incredible like you know businesswoman but she just had such a strong sense of morals and a really you know the way she wanted to do business was really ethical and the way e- even with the movie because I felt like with Only Ever Yours um, because you know for people who don't know what it's about it's about it's set in a school in a futuristic society where women are bred for their beauty and I always felt a little bit apprehensive because I thought that it was the sort of story particularly in a visual sense that could be exploited really easily you know because you're talking young beautiful girls i was like oh this could go really wrong you know it could just be really sexualized in a way that like it's not supposed to be at all and i just wanted to um i just wanted to sell the rights to someone that i just really trusted um and like adrian and i are you know it's like we she rang on friday uh, just to go through some new developments and because these sort of you know it's really it's been a really interesting experience because obviously they're waiting on this one particular person Who's very famous to sort of decide whether she will or she won't do it, and then if she does, it's kind of like everything moves forward really quickly. Yeah, domino um, so, Yes, but it's yeah. just really interesting to see the power that this one person has because you know it's like okay, then we can cast this person, this person, and but anyway, I um and to get a greenlit um but um. So she rang the other night, and we just had this whole conversation about you know about Weinstein and about just um, uh, sexual violence, and, and then we and and the movie obviously, and then she hung up, and she was like, "Okay, bye, I love you," and I was like, "I love you too," <laughs> and I said, "My mom overheard it," and she's like, "Who are you auntie? And I was like, "Adrian." she's like you're the movie producer and I was like yes she said wow you you just make everyone you work with your best friend don't (laughs) you I was like I I do I just don't personal like professional boundaries I'm like yeah who cares (laughs) but she's amazing so yeah so it's it's uh hopefully um they're kind of looking uh February March um but again it just I'm just kind of letting it you know because with everything these things are so precarious and you know everything kind of has to just go in the right way but I honestly think if anyone can get it done Adrian Becker can get it done she's just I just want her to like take over my life and tell me what to do.
0: How do you find um, dating as it were like given the fact that you are very successful in your career and uh, you have this reputation mm. for being like this you know feminist uh-huh. who doesn't take any bullshit <laughs> does that have an impact on you as a single woman in the world um
1: I think so I, I think it's it can be hard and this is going to sound like this is going to say I don't know this will probably sound really pretentious but it can be very hard to find someone who is not in, intimidated by it. And I don't mean intimidated. I don't mean intimidated though, in that they're afraid of me, but intimidated by a way that I feel like they try and shrink you. Um, I've had that experience um, where people have tried to make me feel smaller or tried to diminish um, things in my life in order to, I don't even think it was in order to make them feel more important, but I think it was just this is the role that you should have in this relationship because you are the woman and I am the man and I think my problem is is that I'm very attracted to alpha men um and I am an alpha Mm -hmm. um and I think sometimes there's just not enough room and I'm like I'm the star in this relationship and they're like (laughs) I'm the star (laughs) so it can be a little bit tricky um but uh yeah it's but again you know 2016 was a really difficult um year for me um and I've said this to a few people and they always find this really interesting because I think that was the year where uh, from the outside looking in it looked like that was the best year of my entire life because everything just really took off in that year um and I was so busy and there was just all these incredible opportunities coming up um and I was really struggling like really struggling um I you know I I found eating really difficult um I had just a lot of sort of Personal um, stuff going on, and I, you know, I was travelling a lot. Um, I just felt really disorientated, um, and I felt coming into 2017 that I really just wanted to make my health, my priority, and myself my priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, let go of a lot of uh, things and people um, that maybe. I loved in some ways but that weren't good for me Um, and I felt like this year I just needed to be single I really just needed to not have to think about anyone else and just really focus on making myself the strongest I could be because I know next year is going to be really busy again and I don't want to have a repeat of 2016 where I just felt so overwhelmed constantly like it just and it's funny someone asked me what are the signs of burnout and for me I think it's when I feel completely incapable. You know, if my mom said, "Oh, Louise, will you go over um, and pick up Granny and bring her to mass," and I would nearly like start crying. So I was like, "I, I, I can't do this." Like, it's like, how can you give me one? You know, more yeah, money, yeah. Like, yeah. I usually I'm like, yeah, grand, whatever, of course, you know. Um, but it, I just felt. Completely overwhelmed by everything, um, and you know as well, just being, I, uh, you know, I'd never been in the public eye before. I mean, I'm not even really, but you know, I think that year in particular, I suppose I was on TV and I was kind of, you know, with the documentary, and I was, I suppose, maybe more, um, more in the public eye or more I- I in that sort of s- in the spotlight, I suppose, than I had been previously, and then I, because ha- I've said no to so much this year, and I think that brought a lot of challenges in. You know, being recognized, which I always found really strange. Um, and trolling was really intense. Um, and emails, and just, I just, I found it. So, anyway, yeah. So, this year was just about taking time for myself, just making myself as healthy as I can be. So, they're coming into 2018 when it's a busy year again, that I don't have that kind of like like breakdown is the wrong word, but sort of I don't crumble um mm. under the pressure again.
0: Um you mentioned there that you 2016, one of the reasons it was rough was because of the trolling that mm. you were experiencing. And I know you've definitely taken a marked step back from yeah. social media. Yeah. Tell do me, you a little miss bit. me? <laughs> I do. Well I do, but I also admire it, yeah. to be honest, because I have found myself recently feeling like this probably isn't good for you anymore mm. at one stage i think it was very good for me and i think i might have crossed over to the dark side slightly yep. in s- with certain elements of my social media use yeah um so i mostly admire you and i'm interested to hear about that decision and how you found it
1: um well it's been it is interesting cuz i think the same as you that when i first started with social media
0: not really with you know
1: bebo or facebook but twitter was incredibly educational for me like so educational around um it just so many things like race and uh you know trans issues um and like um uh, fat phobia and things like that you know and like uh, uh just islamophobia and and like really 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 important um conversations uh, because I, I wouldn't really have been exposed to that actually you know I grew up in a very small monocultural um, you know society um, and I think that it really just I think gave me a sense of empathy and helped me to understand other people's life um, experiences so I think in some ways I'm a much better person um, because of having been on Twitter um, And but then it just Started going a little bit too far um, In that I suppose there was I I was getting a lot of abuse And I think It's really difficult I've had this conversation With um, someone else Who was also Asked on TV shows a lot you know to be sort of a talking head um and you know at the start I did it because I think I felt a sense of responsibility that I had to continue this conversation I had to kind of you know keep the momentum going and that you know if I didn't speak then who was going to speak um as if there was no one else to that it would be you know I mean there's so many other amazing articulate women that could have absolutely taken my place but I think I suppose I just felt a little bit under a bit of pressure um and then just the abuse that you would get and it's it's really hard because a part of me is like I'm letting them win by turning down the Claire Byrne show or I'm letting them win by taking a step back um from Twitter but I was really unhappy like there was a point where I was so terrified that you know I suppose the, the sort of emails that I was getting you know like I know where you live and um I you know and just you know you deserve to die and you know you ugly bitch and you I'm like excuse me I'm Gorgeous (laughs) Gorgeous <laughs> um, But um, And uh, You know uh, Just Like you know And rape threats And you know Things like that And I, I just I was so terrified You know It was these kind of Conversations where At home Like talking to my parents And being like You know Should we get gates installed And my dad was like No for, like, And he was Always a little bit Sort of like Louise You know These are just Ridiculous people on Twitter And I was like Yeah but Like one of them Could be A complete lunatic And like you do lose I think a little bit of sense of perspective because actually once I did start taking breaks, like I will, you know, I, I think I took a month off um, initially just to sort of give myself a little bit of time and I just got so much work done. I was doing so much reading. I just had so much clarity and and just brain space. Um, and, you know, this, the last kind of few weeks, um, the last two months have been really uh, challenging um, and, you know, trying to, You know stay aware and stay sort of you know aware of what's going on but also not getting drowned by it because I think if you've had experience of sexual violence um, it can be really really distressing and bring back a lot of like really painful memories and I think particularly you know the rhetoric around it and the way that people dismiss it so easily and Mm -hmm. when you're someone that that has happened to and you Mm -hmm. know the um, impact it's had in your life and then you see other people and other women who've also experienced that and just it just can feel as if your humanity or as if you know your experience um, as a person is just up for debate or up yeah. you know like who's going to write an opinion editorial on this i mean and
0: i write those so i'm not you know dismissing that but it can just feel very dehumanizing totally and i th- i know exactly what you mean and i think in a way um what you're describing is very similar to what um what the lgbt community felt during the uh, marriage yeah. equality campaign yeah because they're experience and their lives were up for debate Mm -hmm. and you know for women who have experience of sexual assault and sexual violence the idea that there are people online saying oh that's not that serious or this is that serious and we're getting a lot of that at Mm -hmm. the moment about that's not sexual assault this is sexual assault and blah 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 and you're like hang on a second I felt uncomfortable I felt violated someone's hand was on my body someone's hand was on my private part yeah like you don't get to decide that that is or isn't yeah exactly
1: no yeah exactly and I mean Look It's
0: not the same No
1: exactly And I think you know No one is saying That you know Being raped at knife point Is the same as your boss You know Getting You know A little bit too Into your personal space Or making a Off colour comment I mean But it's a continuum Have you read The Power um, I have yeah. oh, it. Yeah. Oh, you, you, oh my God, you're going to love it. Yeah, You'll tear through to. it as well because it's so readable. Um, but there's this scene in it because um, obviously, you know, it's in a world where, you know, women have all the power and um, men have none. And I think it's it, it, at the start, I was like, oh, amazing this is the way it should be but I think it's really interesting to see I suppose how power ultimately is corrupting you know whatever gender but there's this one scene this isn't a spoiler but it's like a guy being followed down an alleyway by three women and he's terrified and I was reading it and I said "God, this is so weird I said Jesus if this was the opposite way around I wouldn't even have it was so unsettling and strange and just uncanny to read about a man being followed down an alleyway by three women and that he was terrified whereas we just think of that as kind of an inevitability as a woman you're like well yeah that is going to happen so I have to safeguard it by making sure that I you know get a taxi home or that we all you know never walk home by myself or or that we're
0: carrying your keys like a weapon yes yes and it's like that isn't that's
1: no way to live and people saying oh you should be realistic this is just the world that we live in like nothing will change if we just accept things
0: yeah um so when when the initial me too campaign and we're gonna wrap up shortly but when the initial me too campaign started i was extremely skeptical Mm. because i felt like hang on a second we have been telling our stories for years like just do we have we forgotten yes all women like we literally spent weeks Sharing our experiences of sexual assault, sexual harassment, like, you know, why why do we have to do this again? Mm -hmm. Like, nobody's going to listen. But I do feel like something is changing. I agree.
1: I agree. And even when you said it there, I just got
0: like kind of like a slight
1: shiver because at the start, I think I felt I was like, okay, why are we asking vulnerable women to you know share their most traumatic experiences you know just to like basically cut their veins open um for in order for other people um to finally like accept that we are human beings and that this is an experience and this is unacceptable um and you know regardless of whether you have you know a, a wife or daughters yeah. <laughs> you should I mean, i presume you all have mothers but um i you know i think it's just you should be able to identify with women as human beings but It's been really, the last few weeks have been so strange because in one way it's been very challenging and upsetting and frustrating and tiring and just, I think, because I knew it was bad and because, you know, I've had my own experience and I've talked to people about their experiences but I think the Me Too, it was like, this is so pervasive, oh my god, it's everywhere, like it's every woman has experienced this and that can feel just so like just makes you want to kind of you know take a a a nap forever you know um but then it just does feel like women just seem to be so fed up and I think it's been really interesting and again you know we're talking about like Twitter and social media like it has given the voiceless a voice you know like I think social media has given women a platform in order to, you know, tell their truth and in order to share their stories. And it, it does feel like I really hope the momentum keeps going. Like I really hope that um, People don't get tired of this, or that people don't, you know, something else does or it doesn't get derailed. You know, I think, yeah. you know, the fear is at the moment now that there'll be one false rape claim, um, and that it'll, I think, give credence Discredit, to the idea, yeah. yeah, you know, that oh, well, women are all hysterical,
0: lying bitches. Um, and okay, so I think we both agreed that while things are an absolute, um, mm, a steaming pile of mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does feel like there is a turn yes. in the right direction. Yes,
1: I think so. I think there. It fe- and I've I've actually felt like that for a while because I even think if you look at you know let's say even like the Bill Cosby case, um you know that had been going on since like the seventies, um and you know there have been people talking about you know allegations of um his sexual misconduct, um and I think it's been really interesting that that was just. Sort of seen as normal, or that it was allowed because he was really wealthy and powerful. And obviously, even with Weinstein, that was going on for such a long time. Mm. And it does feel like, you know, in some ways, it feels like it's getting worse. Because I suppose, like any time that there's any sort of movement in the, um, like in feminism, like any time there's any sort of um propulsion um forward, there's always a massive ba- backlash. Always, like constantly. Like if you look at, like you know, there was huge strides forwards in the eighties, um, and then in the nineties, you know, feminism was nearly like a dirty word. And I think that it's been really interesting to watch it happen this time where that you know the vitriol that comes out you know the the men's rights um activist movement um and but women really just seem to be saying we've had enough Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of it is even the fact you know with i mean it well i was going to say with trump being elected i mean i know it's 53 percent of white women who did vote for him um but um Uh, i i wonder as well has that galvanized women has that you know
0: yeah i think it has I think it has. I think I think women are at a point. Well, lots of women are at a point where they just feel like no, enough is enough. Mm. Like we have got to draw a line. Yeah, this is yeah insane. Yeah,
1: because and why? Why? Why should we? And you know, I think it, it's been really interesting because you know I have uh, younger cousins and you know my friends now. Um, you know, one of my best friends has uh, a little girl, and she's just such a dote. And I just look at her, and I'm like, oh, this will not happen to you. Yeah. I will not let this happen to you. Um, and I think that it's It's really it's not just about us anymore It is about you know the generation Coming up after us um, And for, for little boys as well I just think that the problem With the patriarchy is that it doesn't Really give us either gender A space to be who we really are And yeah. I think that you've got you know Women who are being silenced, and then you've got men who are, aren't given space to express like their emotions, um, and everything comes out as anger because yeah. they can't cry or they can't be vulnerable or they can't, you know, because they see that as weakness. And I'm like that is just such a sad way to live. Yeah,
0: everybody's losing in the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah everybody, absolutely,
1: a hundred percent.
0: I agree. Well, Louise O'Neill, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Cannot wait to read both of your books that are coming out <laughs> next year and I cannot wait to see that film which I'm sure is going to be a roaring success.
1: Oh, so exciting.
0: And we will talk again soon. Yes, thank you. The Collective 2FM